Observing the night sky is a captivating and enlightening hobby that allows us to connect with the vast universe that surrounds us. Each month brings new opportunities to explore the wonders of the night sky. Hello, I'm Paul Evans. I'm from the Irish Astronomical Association based in Belfast. And I'm Sinead Mannion. I'm a member of the Connemara Astronomy Club. So welcome, everybody. Um, this is our new podcast from October. Paul, thank you. We did, I really enjoyed the last podcast. I hope you did, too. Um, did you have any luck? I did. Indeed. I did. I've had a, a very, a very um, satisfying September, actually. Um, the Mostly around the aurora, um, which I talked about last time, actually. Um, in solar activity in the uh, you know 11-year sunspot cycle, um, we're into solar cycle 25, as it's called now, and it's coming along very nicely. In fact, it's looking probably more lively than the previous cycle, 24, um, and it's not peaked yet. It's um, probably due to peak about the middle of 2025 or so. Um, so we've got another sort of year or two to go before it's uh, at, at peak activity, but it's doing great now. And in fact, in September, I did actually, there were actually three auroras, and I saw two of them. Um, I was down south, uh, no, not down south, in the south of England, actually, for the the, the, the third one. So I didn't see that. But um, um, yeah, so I've got two. And that's really the first time I've seen two auroras in the same month, I think, ever, actually, because I don't think there was any time in solar cycle 24 where it happened. Now, I was on this island um, for the tail end of solar cycle 23 in 2003. And I did actually see my first aurora on the first day that I actually lived here, the 20th of November, 2003. And I remember that date particularly because um, I got married two days later um, to Jude, and we're still together, which is great. Um, and um, and also England won the Rugby World Cup on the same day that I got married. So I can sort of remember both things. <laughs> it's a good thing to nail it down on. And so, yeah, so, those are all brilliant. They're coming along well. Around the equinox is the best time. I explained all about um, why that is last time, didn't I? And uh, yeah. and we're hoping for many more because it's looking very, very good. We've got probably 18 months to go to little peaks. Wow. So, so very good. Um, very, very pleased with what I've been uh, getting photographically as well. Brilliant. Um, I was going to say, Paul, um, uh, can, is there anywhere where our listeners can see your photos? Because they are amazing. I really enjoy seeing them. Um, so is there anywhere, I know you're on Facebook, but is there anywhere else they can find them? I usually do Facebook. Now, I do have a website, although I'm not very good at keeping it up to date with these things, but um, um, pgephotos.co.uk is my website. Right. Um, and there's just some of my more general photography on there. It's uh, it's sort of my other hobby, and it links in well to this one here. There, so, um, And in terms of if you want to see the aurora um it is because of the way it happens we do get fairly good warning um because it's driven by activity on the sun um what happens is that you get um, you know sunspots can explode on the sun um, and throw material towards the earth and actually it's 93 million miles or 150 million kilometers um, from the sun to the earth and the material exploded from the sun can make that journey in two to three days, which is quite impressive because because that makes it about sort of two to three million miles per hour. This stuff travels mm -hmm. um, and it interacts with the Earth's magnetic field and makes the atmosphere glow these colours. 
Um, so we can tell just by watching the sun and certain satellites um, and ground telescopes do actually do that all the time. We can see what's going on there and get a fair bit of warning of when to look. So if you go to NASA's site, spaceweather.com, um, that gives you a good explanation of everything that's happening and the likelihood um, of us actually seeing auroras here. Um, for real life um, you know, experience, there's a Facebook group called Aurora UK, and it abbreviates to AUK. Um, and there you've got real life sightings of people in Scotland. There's a guy, guy who runs it actually is in Norfolk and actually Norfolk because it's got a direct view northwards. It's actually a good place to, to see the Aurora, but then, you know, so is Ireland, all of it. Um, um obviously the, you know, the North coast and Donegal have a bit of an advantage. Yeah. Um, but I get very good viewings where I am on the on the east coast of Northern Ireland. Um, there's guys over in 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 Mayo and and whatever that uh, you know that that get good views as well because they have a clear north view yeah. um, from places like you know Ballinar and Sligo and stuff. You can, there, so and probably where you are as well, Sinead. You know, um, if you get a a good north view from somewhere or other, I'm sure you can. Um, I, that, I can uh, that you that would be the problem but yeah definitely I know all right my old really do but um so the websites were again spaceweather.com and then the Aurora UK Facebook group yes uh, indeed and also now the the the, the IAA's website um, um irishastro.org mm -hmm. um, there's a page on there if you look along the top there's various tabs and one is Aurora and that sort of collates a bit of real-time data um, of, of graphs and so on that gives you an idea of, of when's a good time to be looking. Um, and it's got a feed there of the magnetometer from Lancaster University. On it. Wow. And that, that tends to go a bit crazy. There was a time once when that, when that, um, that magnetometer went really crazy and we thought, what's, what's going on? Because everything yeah. else looked like there wasn't going to be an aurora, but that magnetometer yeah. um, was, was off the scale. And it turned out that there was a man mowing the lawn who was going past the magnetometer, and every time he went past, uh, it um, it went off. So um, these things aren't always a hundred percent reliable. It's just the way they work. Oh, the interference! That's so funny. Were you on the beach waiting for words by Aurora? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is brilliant. Okay. So what else to look out for, Paul, at the moment for October? Well, there's there's plenty going on in the sky. I'm going to talk a little bit. I did mention um last time about the summer triangle i'll talk about that a bit more in a, in a in a moment um but there's some other things to look at as well um the international space station is not very visible um this time around but from the 21st of october onwards it can be a morning object if you um, go to the website heavens-above.com and put your location into that. That will tell you um, when you can see the space station. And uh, yeah, it, it is a morning object towards the end of the month. Uh, um, there is, um, again, we can't see it here, but it's interesting to know about these things. There is an annular solar eclipse on the 14th of October. And you need to be in North or Central America um, North America really on a sort of a line down from Oregon to Texas and then it sort of goes over the Gulf of Mexico, the track, and then into Belize, Honduras, Costa Rica and South America a bit into Brazil. Um, now that's an annular eclipse and what goes on there is that 
as with a total solar eclipse, the Moon does move between the Earth and the Sun, but because it does so at a point in the lunar orbit where it's further away than usual, because the orbit is elliptical, yeah. um, it doesn't quite cover the Sun. Um, and so there is this ring, if you're in the right place, of the Sun outside the thing that just won't go away. So you don't get, as with the totality, the opportunity to see the Sun's atmosphere, the corona. Yeah. But you do see this ring of sunlight there. It does mean that you need to have your eclipse glasses on all the time. Yeah. It's unlike the, the total solar eclipse, where when the totality happens, you can yeah. take your shades off mm-hmm. and, and then look at the, the corona. Um, that doesn't happen with an annual eclipse. I've never seen one, I have to say. Oh, really? I've seen three. I've seen three total eclipses, but I haven't oh. seen any annular ones. Oh. Um, I nearly saw one in Scotland in 2003, May 2003, um, except that it was just cloudy where I, it was completely foggy on the Moray Firth where I was. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see it, but um, some people did in other places, um, but I didn't see that. Now, the other thing that comes with that, mm-hmm. and it is to do with the geometry of the way that the moon goes around the Earth, is that two weeks later, on the 28th of October, there is a partial lunar eclipse. That is to say, the the moon moves into a part of the Earth's shadow, but only part um, on this occasion. It doesn't quite make it all the way through, so we get that really deep red moon that we have seen uh, in past lunar eclipses. The, the last one was actually on my birthday in 2015. Um, <laughs> th- this very day that we're recording, in fact, the day, you know, the late night of my birthday. Um. And um, and that was a good lunar eclipse then, but that was total. This one's partial, and only 12% oh. of the moon goes dark. Okay. You may, if you look at it through a telescope and get the bright bit of the moon out of the frame, you might be able to see some degree of redness. Okay. That's that's because the, the, the Earth's shadow is not a hard shadow, okay. uh, because we have an atmosphere. Yes, yes. And, and so some light gets refracted through the atmosphere and it comes out a deep red on the moon. But uh, it's very difficult to actually see that when only 12% of the moon is in the shadow. Wow. So that's the partial lunar eclipse. That's quite an interesting thing. Now, um, so what else is, what else to look forward to? You said something that's. Well, no, I was going to talk about the summer triangle again, wasn't I? Because that's such a prominent part of the sky in the evenings at this time of year. Um, you have the three bright stars. If you look south about nine o'clock in the evening, uh, 10 o'clock in the evening or so, you'll see three bright stars in a triangular formulation. Deneb and Vega are the two top ones. And then there's one down the bottom, Altair. And in that triangle, there's lots of interesting stuff goes on um, to look at. Now, there is a slight problem with it as well. Um, if you have an ordinary telescope that's on what we call an alt azimuth mount i.e like a camera tripod yeah that just goes up and down and left to right it's no bother at all but if you have an equatorial mount and it's synced up to the pole star and it just so happens that the summer triangle is in that part of the sky where you have to rotate the whole thing through 180 degrees to see one side of the summer triangle or the other because through the middle of it is a thing called the meridian, um, and and that is that affects the movement of an equatorially mounted telescope. 
<laughs> so that um, so that you know you can't just move from one bit to another. In fact, two of the best objects, the two planetary nebulae in, in, in that area, are on opposite sides of the meridian, and you have to turn the scope not just through a few degrees, but through nearly 180 to wow. get from one to the other, which wow. is hard. But let's let's talk about some of those objects that, that are there. Yeah. First of all, one of my favourites. Now, you can just about pick this up with the naked eye, just. Um, but it doesn't look very exciting. With, with you, you really need to start getting pictures. And that is by by the st bright star Deneb, just two degrees to the left of that. So sort of if you hold a finger at arm's length, just a, a little bit to the left of Deneb is a thing called the North America Nebula. And if you've ever seen pictures of the North America Nebula, it's, it's obvious why they call it that, because it does look exactly like a map of North America. It's got sort of the, you know, the, the big bit of Canada on top of it, the shape of the United States there, even got a little bit sticking out at the bottom, which looks like Florida. Um, and then it goes down into that sort of, you know, the, the rest of it is like kind of Mexico going into Central America. Um, and it really does look uncannily like North America. Um, and, uh, but that's and that will show up now if you've got a camera and particularly if you've got a camera that's sensitive to red light it looks spectacular um, because it is glowing in a characteristic color of hydrogen alpha um, which is a, a deep shade of red um, corresponding to a, you know, a wavelength of hydrogen atoms being excited um, then that's what it looks like it's, it's great and there's one next to it called the pelican as well which you can see um, again, pictures is probably the best way of doing that. Long exposure pictures. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Um, then, Deneb is the is the top star in the constellation Cygnus, Cygnus the Swan, and actually some also call the asterism, i.e. the group of stars, the Northern Cross. Oh. And actually, if you look at if you look at Deneb, then beneath Deneb there's a line of three stars. That's a sort of the cross bit of the cross, and then there's two more stars in a straight line downwards. The end one of which is is Beta Cygni, the second brightest star in Cygnus. And Beta Cygni is a lovely star um, called, it's called Alberio is its other name. Yeah. And if you look at that through even a small telescope, small telescopes, good binoculars don't quite do it, but a small telescope will show uh, Beta Cygni, Alberio as two stars. One a bit brighter than the other. And the bright one is a beautiful gold colour. Um, and the other one is a sapphire blue colour. And the contrast between the two is delightful. Oh. Um, it, uh, it's, um, I've even... People I've shown things in the sky were sort of... They're kind of unimpressed with Jupiter and its moons. But then I showed the same person, Beta Cygni, and she goes, wow. You know, so, so different things, you know... Um, impress different people different ways I find actually and it's one of the great joys of showing people things in the sky that uh, that, that happens you know you can never quite tell how people are going to react to some things yeah <laughs> um, now then from Alberio um, a little below if you go directly downwards from uh, from Beta Cygni when you find it um, binoculars will show you this actually or a small telescope there is a beautiful little asterism and that's a group of stars. It's not a constellation. It's a kind. Of, it's it's a lesser thing than a constellation, but it looks like something. And there is a thing called the coat hanger, and you just have to see the coat hanger to realise why it's called the coat hanger. It is like a line of stars with a hook on it, and uh, that's that's really nice too. I, one of my favourite bits in that part of the world. Then to the left of that, there's a small constellation 
called Sagitta. And Sagitta is called the arrow. And again, doesn't need too much the imagination. It looks exactly like an arrow. Um, it's a line of stars with kind of, you know, two points on, on the end. One in the shape of an arrow, one also in the shape of an arrow pointing the other way. So uh, that's that's that. So that's really a little trip around. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'll, I'll talk about the planetary nebulae as well. If you go up to Vega, Vega, the bright star at the top right of the summer triangle, um, then you'll find a little star next to Vega, and then there's sort of two stars below that in a sort of parallelogram arrangement. And in between those lower two stars, you will need a telescope for this and quite a powerful one, there's a planetary nebula called Messier 57, the Ring Nebula. Um, and uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, and uh, the other side of the meridian, this is when it comes to that bit where if you've got an equatorial mounted telescope, you have to flip it right the way around. Um, similar part of the sky, you need a chart to find this probably. Messier 27 is a somewhat bigger planetary nebula. That is to say something that's left over after a star has died. Um, and Messier 27 is a, is a bigger planetary nebula as well. It's very, very nice to look at. Um, it's, I think the, the theme to the original Star Trek has it in as, a, as an image of Messier 27 as part of it. I think, I think I'm remembering that right. Wow. Um, it's, uh, um, it's, it's definitely there. Uh, so, so that's really some stuff in the Summer Triangle that we can look at. Um, one of the things I can talk about as well, we are at that time of the year where getting up early in the morning is quite a rewarding thing to do. And at the moment, actually, it's great because the planet Venus is about as bright as you'll ever see it um, in the morning. In fact, it was so bright, I was going to work the other morning, um, about five o'clock. And Venus was so bright that even though the sky was cloudy, you could still see Venus shining through it because it was so bright, um, which was which was quite amazing. Um, now, one of the things that um, we can see in the morning at the moment um, is that uh, the constellation Orion starts rising, and that really gives a good signpost to the beginning of winter um, because uh, you know, it starts, it's a winter constellation, really. It, it, uh, you can see it through till about Easter, um, and that's when it's in the early evening. But Orion, in the morning this time of year, and you can see that what I always look for is this. The two brightest stars in Orion are Betelgeuse or Betelgeuse at the top left, um, which actually does mean shoulder or arm. And and that's what it you know, looks like, really. Um, and Rigel, which means foot at the opposite corner. And Rigel is a bright blue star. Betelgeuse is a bright orange star. And historically, um, Betelgeuse is called Alpha Orionis and Rigel is called Beta Orionis. And that's the wrong way round because mostly you'd say that Rigel is brighter than Betelgeuse or Betelgeuse. Um, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, three years ago, if I think about it, um, Betelgeuse actually went quite dim. It was actually much dimmer than Rigel and nearly as dim as Bellatrix, which is at the top right. And um, we're not quite sure why that happened. But one of the things about Betelgeuse is probably the most likely star in the sky to explode. It is coming close to the end of its life. 
and is such a big massive star that that will be a serious event in fact if it does happen uh, in our lifetimes and we do see it um, it will be visible in the daytime because it will be about the same brightness as the full moon wow um, and, and will cast shadows at night you know but um, um, we're not sure if that's happening yet but it is it's got not only has it recovered from getting dimmer yeah. but it's actually got brighter and and compare Rigel and Betelgeuse if you see them now and think well is Betelgeuse now brighter than Rigel because that's significant if it is um, a bit difficult to tell because they're different colours as well but yeah. uh, and they do both show colour they're bright enough to you can see the colours and so that's um, that's that's Orion. Now, the thing with Orion as well is it's a great signpost. Yeah. And if you look at the belt of Orion, three stars across the middle, um, and follow those downwards, and you will eventually come to an extremely bright star, in fact, the brightest star in the sky called Sirius, um, also called the Dog Star, because it is, it is Alpha Canis Majoris, and Canis, of course, being... Um, um, is Latin for dog, and uh, if you if you follow it the same belt up the other way, you'll come to a bright orange star, and that is Aldebaran, uh, which means Eye of the Bull, and that is Alpha Tauri, which is which is Taurus the Bull, and that's why that is, and that is Aldebaran is not quite as as obviously reddish orange as as Betelgeuse, but it's quite orange, and. There's a cluster of stars all around it, and particularly a V-shape, you'll see, which is like the head of the bull. And those are called the Hyades. And Aldebaran is not one of the Hyades, but it is in the same direction. The Hyades is a real star cluster. All those stars are in the same place. Um, the night sky from a planet encircling any of those stars would be great, because there'd be loads of bright stars in it. Um, but Aldebaran is just, you know, nowhere near as far just in the same direction um, if you follow that line up a bit further you'll come to a little group of seven stars some say seven stars that's the seven sisters or or, or Pleiades or Messier 45 as astronomers call it and uh, it's a good test of eyesight actually to count them and see how many you can see now I can see six because in truth my eyesight's not that great um, but I know other people who can see nine and I know someone who can see 13 but if you cheat and use a telescope you can tell that there's about 200 there Oh wow! Um, and, and they are all in the same place as well and, and there is when you start taking photographs of the seven sisters you see lots of nebulosity as well in the form of you know it, it's it's a, it's a gas cloud lit up by lots of stars so um it is a, a very impressive thing to see in the sky um it looks like a sort of a little plow um so so the seven sisters and all that's good um going back to orion you'll see its belt um, um there's a little joke isn't there about um, um orion is a waste in space because it's got that belt and um, and then said, not a very good joke, only three stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you look down from that, you'll see um, Orion's sword. And what you've got in there, you've got the great Orion Nebula Messier 42, and then another nebula right next to that called Messier 43. And then above those, you've got um, another nebula and it's got a sort of a dark section to it. And that dark section has the shape of a running man. And again, you can see that again on photographs, it shows up quite nicely. So that's that's Orion. 
Um, now then, while we're in that part of the world, I will just mention that there's a meteor shower in that part of the sky as well. Um, so get up early in the morning. Round about the 21st and 22nd um, of October. And what happens then is that the Earth passes through what was the tail of Halley's Comet. Oh. And and so there's just bits... What happens when that happens is there's, there's just bits of dust left over from Halley's Comet. And we pass through the tail of it. And you get, um, you get shooting stars, um, you know, uh, meteors. Um, a, a meteor is is a shooting star. It is the uh, um, a bit of dust burns up in our atmosphere, whoosh, and you just what you do is you just get um, a sun lounger, lie down and look at that sort of area of the sky. Don't look at directly at Orion, but look around Orion, okay. and you might see shooting stars there. Oh, and wow. um, so, so that's that. And what time is is in the morning? What time, Paul? Early in the morning is good, and also because at that time the moon um, is at first quarter, so the moon will set round about midnight. The, the light of the moon kind of makes it more difficult to see anything except the very brighter meteors, but you'll see a lot of faint ones with the moon gone, as long as you're in a sort of fairly dark place. Um, so, yeah, so early hours of the morning is best, and also at that point the Earth is facing in um, to to the um, comet trail that we're passing through, uh, so so that's the best time to see them. I'm afraid it is a it is one for the the nocturnal amongst us, because yeah. um, <laughs> you would have to be up quite late. I'm yeah. afraid just looking looking at seven o'clock or so isn't uh, the best time at all. No, um, it's, it's, it's into the early hours. So lots to look forward to, Paul. Um... Lots to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. I really hope now you have as much luck with the awards as you did in September and we can't wait to hear about it in yeah, absolutely yeah um so thank you so much Paul and um thank you to our listeners and we shall see you next month keep looking okay. up thank you and keep looking up indeed <laughs> thank you for listening to Cosmic Corner the monthly what's in the night sky podcast This podcast was produced, written, and presented by Paul Evans and Sinead Mannion. Tune in next month. Stay safe and keep looking up.